0: Thanks for joining us for this message from Awakened Church. We believe in the power of God's Word, and we pray that you are encouraged by this message. Now lean in as we hear from Pastor Kevin Miller. Today we are launching a brand new series that we're calling Aftermath. And uh, my my wife uh, just the other day, or I think it was my wife, said, Aftermath comes science. And I was like, no, aftermath, this is not a pun. This is the aftermath, the moments immediately following a disaster um in, in fact if your neighborhood looks like looks anything like mine it looks like a war zone driving through today it was like is that fog or gunpowder i don't know what's happening and there's just stuff everywhere from explosives uh as as Breezy was mentioning coming growing up in new mexico um you know th- what what they call fireworks out there wouldn't even like we don't even waste our time with out here in tennessee um so it's, it's, a, it's an amazing experience. And so maybe your neighborhood looks like a war zone. You're in the aftermath of it. Um, but, but oftentimes, when a natural disaster hits, you find yourself in the place of the aftermath. I remember uh, back in 2010 when the flood hit the Cumberland River out here, and 144 businesses were wiped out in the Riverside District here in Clarksville, and Awaken Church was one of those. We found ourselves in the aftermath of the the destruction, or just a couple years ago, February two thousand and eighteen a tornado came through Clarksville and hit the exit eight area and There was widespread uh, disaster because of that almost ninety homes damaged, eight completely demolished, some uh, had to be completely rebuilt from the ground up and of course, right now the season that we're in as a nation is that a global pandemic has forced us into a new reality. We're just living in a world that nobody has ever lived in just yet. And uh, you know, 2020 has been quite the year, hasn't it been? Uh, I mean, it's just like what else you got, 2020? You know, we've got we've got the global pandemic, and then we've got the looting and the rioting, and then we we had murder hornets in there somewhere. I don't know if you heard the news, but Kanye West announced that he's running for president this year. And so I was like, you know, I didn't see that coming, but I'm not surprised anymore. Just come on, 2020, what else you got, right? You just never know what's going to happen. And we are now living in this world where we're having to constantly assess our lives kind of like we're in the aftermath of a disaster, and yet in the middle of it, we're still facing a lot of the repercussions of this, this weird world that we're living in. And I remember back in April during quarantine, while we we're on lockdown, I just was asking the Lord, God, would you speak, would you give me something to speak directly into the season that we're in? And he, he gave me this idea of the, of the aftermath, and I remember telling our creative team, I've got this series brewing in my mind. I want to do this series called Aftermath, where we talk about how to assess our lives and our ministry in the aftermath of tragedy. So I want you to think about this as I just kind of give you an introduction for where we're headed over the next six weeks during this series. I want you to, under, I want you to just think about the aftermath of a natural disaster and what happens. Typically, first stage is triage, right? Right. You, you, you just, you're blown away at whatever just happened, and you immediately start assessing damage, trying to figure out what do we need to do, what needs our attention first, where is the worst of, of the problems. And pretty quickly, it goes from triage and, and eventually get into kind of like reprioritization. You're starting to realize that there are some things that used to matter in the past that honestly don't matter anymore. Have you found this out that disaster or pain or tragedy has a way of realigning and redefining what actually matters? Isn't that amazing how that works? So we're going to talk about that during the series as well. And then if it's not the triage, it's reprioritizing. And then eventually you move into what we might call the phrase we've all been hearing recently, a new normal. Meaning that there are things in that we're going to eventually settle into a mode of life that feels a little bit more normal, but we just understand that it's a new normal. That there are some things going forward that will be similar to the past, but there's a lot of things that were how they were in the past that won't be the same in the future. And we want to step into and embrace and settle in on what are the things that our 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 new normal. And so for the first three weeks of aftermath series, we're gonna we're gonna work on those. But then kind of the, the next stage of aftermath is is a long term one. It's the ongoing care that has to take place after a natural disaster, doesn't it? There are lots of things that after the headlines have have moved on, when the news crews are gone when all of that stuff kind of uh, filters out and life resumes a new normal, we start to get to a place where there's still ongoing care that needs to take place. There are still some some things that, that have to happen and and so I want you to just kind of map out where we're headed. For the first three weeks of Aftermath, we're, we're talking about those, but the last three weeks of Aftermath is really focused on the ongoing care. And what I'm really excited about is kind of the way this series is broken down because we're going to spend the first three weeks kind of speaking to ourselves, allowing the Lord to really minister to our lives, our ministry, our church, and, of course, anybody who comes is going to hear the gospel. But the following three weeks is really just focused on the best possible care this church can provide to the community every week in those final three weeks is just going to be the very clear, simple gospel of Jesus Christ. And we just want to get as many people watching and, and joining us as possible because I just believe if our world needs anything right now, it's not another protest, it's not another conversation, it's not another fill in the blank, it's Jesus. People just need Jesus. And that's when, it, when the heart change happens. That's when world change happens, Right? What we really need is another awakening, a revival. And so I'm praying that that's what God is going to use this, uh, this, this series for. So I just felt like as, as I was thinking through, praying through where we headed with this series, I felt like there's no better person to learn from on this topic than the man that God used to lead a movement after his people experienced devastation than the man Nehemiah. So if you brought a Bible, would you turn to the Old Testament book of Nehemiah? And as you're turning there, I want to just give you kind of like a real quick summary of uh, some context so you understand leading into, uh, leading into our, our, our study today. Nehemiah, just so that you're aware, um, by the time we get to his part of the story, The nation of Israel has been destroyed by its enemies. In fact, uh, the, the inhabitants of Jerusalem had been ransacked by the Babylonians, taken captive. By the time we get here, Jerusalem has been a ghost town for about 70 plus years. There was a small remnant of the people who left Babylon and came back with a leader named Ezra, the book right before Nehemiah. And Ezra led a few thousand people to rebuild the temple. But there's a problem. Although they could rebuild the temple, the city still didn't have walls or gates. It wasn't protected. And an Old Testament city like this without walls stood no chance against enemies. It needed its barrier for protection. So it was still in a really bad place. And that's where we cue Nehemiah, the man that God placed a burden on his heart to go in and help with the repair. He's, he's really like one of the first responders In the aftermath of the devastation. And and so we're going to be learning from Nehemiah over these uh, first three weeks. And what I'm praying this series does for us is that it's a guide for us in this unique season that we're in. But I'm also praying that this becomes a, a guide for future recovery for people in all kinds of different scenarios recovery from a divorce, recovery from financial loss recovery from a breakup, recovery from whatever devastation that you may feel or, or endure in your life, I'm believing that God is going to use this, all of these different scenarios in really powerful ways in, in all of our lives. In fact, speaking of aftermath, the imagery often makes me think of February 2018, the tornado that hit that I was telling you about, because I remember being up, I, I remember that night getting calls from a couple of my friends whose houses had been hit by the tornado. And I remember there was one of my friends in particular, I think it was about 11 p.m. at night, I was climbing up on his roof, putting a, a tarp, patching up the, the holes on the, on the roof. Um, and we were just up there like assessing the damage, because everywhere you look, you could see kind of the path of the tornado, but there were, his, his truck had been just like spun out and down the road. His boat was in a field, in a pond. Uh, there were just like two by fours jammed through house walls, car alarms going off, fire alarms going off, shattered windows. It was, it was wild. I've never seen something like that. And standing up there on the roof, I realized we were in need of a few things. And the few things that we were in need of are the title of the message today. Would you write this title down? Tarps, two-by-fours, and chainsaws. Tarps, two-by-fours, and chainsaws. And I've got some because I wanted you to make sure you know what I'm talking about. Thank you for the tarp. Put that chainsaw right there. Two-by-fours. Thank you for the lumber, Zach. I appreciate that. I've never preached with a chainsaw before, but I'm about to. And front row, don't worry, I'm not going to fire it up, all right? (laughs) I'm tempted, but I'm not not going to. Um, Here's where I'm headed with this. Think about what happens in a, a natural disaster, in the aftermath of a disaster, and some of the things that are needed. The tarp reminds us that in the aftermath of a disaster, there are things that immediately need to be patched up. There are some holes that I'm praying God's going to bring to our attention in our lives and our families and our relationships and in our, in our ministry and our church that we can immediately begin patching up. But the patchwork can't stay just with a tarp on the roof, right? Eventually, we're going to need some rebuilding. That's where the two-by-fours come in. We're going to need to actually put some new structures in place In our lives. And what does the chainsaw do? Of course, it cuts stuff down. Cuts stuff out. Because I'm believing that God is going to use this series to remind us that there are some great things he's doing in our lives. But to continue to take the next step and move forward, something has to come out. And it's a painful process to get there. But it's worth the sacrifice. It's worth whatever price you have to pay. So, Tarps, two-by-fours, and chainsaws, title of the message today. And we're going to talk about what does it look like for us to figure out in our lives what we need to patch and rebuild and cut out. Let's learn from Nehemiah chapter 1, starting in verse 1. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. Now, it happened in the month of Kislev in the 20th year. Kislev would be our, like, November, December the 20th year, as I was in Susa, the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. And I asked them, this is important for our first point here in a moment, I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. He asked a question. I want to give you three things today that if we're going to move forward, we're going to have to do. Number one, write this down. We must lovingly ask hard questions. Nehemiah was in a place where, um, I mean, he kind of lived this bougie life in the palace of the king of Persia. I mean, if you think about it, like, he didn't have to ask any questions. Nehemiah had it pretty much, I mean, for a guy who used to be, in Jerusalem and was now hundreds of miles away. He was well taken care of as the king's right-hand man. He didn't have to ask any questions. But I, I I love the heart of Nehemiah because although it's easier to look away, listen closely, true love doesn't run from the pain. It runs to the pain, right? I mean, isn't that the gospel? The gospel of Jesus Christ, our hope is that God didn't just see our pain and know about it, but he came to meet us in it. That's the gospel. So, so true love, I mean, this is, this is one reason that we support here at Awakening. We support organizations like Samaritan's Purse. That the moment a natural disaster takes place anywhere on planet Earth, and I imagine if they had a way to get to get to the moon when a natural disaster takes place, they'd go there too. But any time a natural disaster takes place, while everybody evacuates that location, Samaritan's Purse boards up or, or loads up trucks and planes and, 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 and aircraft and goes to the scene. And this is what Nehemiah is doing. He's, he's kind of just beginning to probe and, and figure out what's going on here in, in Jerusalem. And he asks hard questions, and we need to learn to ask, lovingly ask the hard questions, because surface-level conversations don't bring healing. Are you hearing me today? Surface-level conversations aren't, are not what we need. I mean, think about it. If you go to the emergency room, the doctor doesn't have time, and frankly, you don't have time, depending on what your injury is, To talk about your hobbies and how you like your coffee and what you did on Friday night for fun with your family. You don't sit around and just chat it up with the ER doctor. He immediately goes into some very personal questions, right? Like, what are you doing asking for my weight? I don't tell anybody that, you know? And what do you mean? What is my family medical history? Why do we have to go into that? You don't get offended by it because you know that the questions he asks, although they're personal and the pressure he applies, and they start sticking your veins with things, and all of the pain is with the purpose of healing. Because he doesn't have time for surface-level conversation because there's triage taking place. He's trying to assess the damage and get to a place quickly where healing can begin. And I think too many of our American greetings make their way into churches and they just remain surface level conversations that don't bring any healing. Hey, how are you? Oftentimes, come on, let's be honest. You're not really caring how how they actually are. We just we're Americans and we greet people like that. How you doing? And we'll get to the answers here in just a moment, but oftentimes just our questions, we just we're not really looking for an answer. It's more of us saying hi. Please don't tell me about your drama. I mean, come on, let's be honest. Now, I'm not saying, how are you? I'm not saying, like, those questions aren't, they're they're not bad. They're just not enough. That's all I'm saying. They're just not enough in and of themselves. So I think we need to get into the habit, come on, church, if we're going to love each other, if we're going to love people who walk into our lives and walk into these doors, then here's what we need to do. We need to start asking those questions, but really asking the questions. How are you? No, like, really? How are you? No, I'm, I'm serious. When I ask, how's your family? I mean, like, is your family okay? Are you guys doing okay? Is there something I could do? Is there a way I could pray? Hey, I remember we had that conversation a couple of weeks ago about that temptation, that weakness that you've, you're facing. How are you doing on that? Can I help you with that? Not like you have all the answers, but you love. And so you ask questions. Because I know it's easier to look the other way, but love doesn't run from the pain, it runs to the pain. And often, oftentimes, the way we get to the pain is by lovingly having some hard conversations. Right? Because don't they say ignorance is bliss? Not when it comes to hope and healing. If I ignore gravity... I don't just like start to float away, right? Well, similarly, if I ignore pain, it doesn't just go away. In fact, oftentimes it ends up just getting worse. And So I guess what I'm getting at is we need to get better at loving ourselves and loving our neighbor enough to ask lovingly the hard questions. Nehemiah had a burden on his heart, and he could have easily looked the other way. And instead, these guys came in and he said, tell me about what's going on. I need to know what's happened with these people and what's happened with the city. Now let's keep reading Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 3. Here's the answer. They said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile, man, they're in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. So we started with lovingly ask hard questions. But listen, a relationship is a two-way street. So it's not just about asking the hard questions. Here's the second thing we have to do. We must courageously give honest answers. I wonder what this whole uh, exchange would have been like in Nehemiah chapter 1 if Nehemiah were living in our modern-day American church. And I wonder, even if Nehemiah would have asked a hard question, I wonder if he would have got a fake Christian reply. Come on, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, everything's good, brother. Forgiven by grace, washed in the blood. Some kind of weird Christianese phrase that we throw out, right? Stop it. Stop the fake, right? We got to get better than this, church. Like there are times where things are pretty good in life. But there's a lot of times where it's not, everything's not okay in your life, and yet we give these like shallow answers. And I think again, the reason is similar to why we give—we we often look away from having, from asking the hard questions, because sometimes if we're honest, the truth is just really humbling. Like things are not okay right now, and that just is humbling for us to say that. And what I love about this place, these people, is that we, we're we learning what it looks like to be real and raw and honest with each other. I had a conversation just last, I think it was last Sunday, with somebody who came here to awaken. I hadn't seen her in a little while, and she pulled up in the parking lot, and I said, hey, it's so great to see you. How are you? Again, there's just that, like, surface American greeting. How are you? And she looked at me, st- one foot out of the car and tears welled up in her eyes and she said I'm honestly not really good and I loved that moment because that moment unfortunately I think is too rare in our churches today and it led to this these next few moments of prayer and a conversation and reaching out later in the week that couldn't have happened had she just put on a fake smile and pretended like everything was okay but because she had the courage to be honest we could be real with each other listen up we got to stop this fake christianity christianity has never meant was never meant to just mask all of our problems it was meant to uh, for us to say listen i'm not one day who I will be, but I'm not who I used to be either. And I'm just in, I'm, I'm kind of a mess right now, but I'm in progress. And and the Bible says, Ephesians 2.10, that I'm, I'm God's workmanship, which means I'm not yet the future glorious masterpiece that I'll be in heaven. I'm kind of like halfway done with the brush strokes right now. And when you look at my life, you can't really see all of the colors that God is blending in. And I'm a little bit of a mess, but I'm working on it, right? And that this is real Christianity. We weren't meant to just fake it until we make it. That's not how this works. Jesus didn't come to earth and, and forgive us of our sins so that we could pretend everything's okay in our lives. So we got we to gotta ask the hard questions, but we got to have the courage to give the honest answers too. And, and thankfully, these guys did that. And so now, again, I, I do want to just state, I'm not saying like you just wear your heart on your sleeve and everything's a pity party. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, that's not what I'm saying. Because if we're honest, when somebody asks us how life, life is, there's a hundred things that aren't great right now. Now, I'm not saying you got to just lay it all out for every person who asks you, but There are times, and you'll know when you're trying to dodge it. You'll know when it's uncomfortable. You'll know when you need to say it. We need to have the courage to be honest. I guess what I'm getting at is it's okay if you're not okay. Just embrace that. There's going to be a lot of seasons in life where you don't feel okay. And healing comes from the courage to be honest about those moments. And so these guys were honest. Verse 3, they just said, man, they're in great trouble and shame. The walls are broken. The gates are destroyed. If we're, if we're honest, this pandemic has left a lot of people in this way too. Great trouble, shame, broken, destroyed. Divorce and unemployment rates skyrocketing. I read a few articles about people predicting an unprecedented wave of mental health disorders, depression suicide, substance abuse. But listen, there is no hope until we courageously speak up. But can I just encourage you, because I know we just talked about asking the hard questions, and somebody here is thinking, man, that's so right. I need to do that. Next time somebody asks me how I'm doing, I'm going to tell them. I'm going to be honest. Can Can I just encourage you? Don't wait for somebody to ask you. You initiate that. Why don't, like we're here today or you're joining us online today and there are live moderators in the chat or there's people here on campus with us right now that just like don't wait for them to find you and ask, how are you doing? No, really, how are you doing? What if we just courageously walked up to somebody and said, do you have a minute? I need to talk to somebody. I'm not okay. Okay. Can you imagine the healing that God could begin in your soul if you just let somebody into your pain? If you just let somebody in, man, I feel broken, destroyed. I'm in pain. There's shame. Let's keep reading Nehemiah chapter 1. Let's look at the response, verse 4. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the Lord, before the God of heaven. Now skip ahead chapter 2 all the way down to verse 11. This is months later after prayer and fasting, verse 11. So I went to Jerusalem and I was there three days. And then I arose in the night, I and a few men with me, and I told no one what God had put into my heart to do for Jerusalem. There was no animal with me but the one on which I rode. And I went out by night. By the valley gate to the Dragon spring and to the dung gate, and I inspected the walls of Jerusalem that were broken down and its gates that had been destroyed by fire here 's the third thing we need to do if we 're going to move forward in the aftermath of tragedy. Number three, we must actively confront challenging issues again we 've talked every with each of these points we 've talked about how it 's much easier to avoid, and it 's the same here. It's easier to avoid the hard Q&A and actually doing something about it because just like letting life coast is a lot easier. But Nehemiah, I love his example because he went to really great lengths to be a part of the solution. Um, in fact, it says that he, uh, he went all the way from Susa, where he was living in the king of Persia's palace, to Jerusalem, which if you traced it on a map, it's over 800 miles that would take him over two months to get from Susa to Jerusalem. Put it in perspective. Imagine if you today left church and you started walking to Tampa Bay, Florida. You're like, no thanks. I'll fly there I might drive there. Even that's pushing it because it'll take me a full like 10 hours. I don't know if I got time for that. Two months, 800 miles of traveling by foot and by animal, and he got there. And then it says in verse 13, and we didn't read it, but in verse 15, it uses the same word. It says he inspected the wall. That's a, a, in the original language in Hebrew, that's a, a word that means it's a medical word for probing a wound to see the extent of the injury. This was not just him, like, looking at the walls. He rode on his animal, even to places where he couldn't go any further because the damage was so bad. He was there on the scene. He was inspecting. And, you know, this is the same thing we do when, when if you're a parent, when your kid falls, you inspect you immediately start figuring out, okay, what happened? Do you have a broken bone? Or do you have any missing teeth? Where's the blood coming from, right? Did you break your drama bone again? You know, <clears throat> you're inspecting, trying to figure out exactly what, what happened. And what I love about Nehemiah is he sets the example for how to confront challenging issues in two ways. Okay, watch this. He confesses his weakness, but he also confronts the issue. And we have to do both. So, so think about this. His heartbreak led him to prayer and fasting. That's important. Prayer is our first response. But listen, Christians, prayer cannot be your only response. We're not just going to spend the rest of our lives praying about things and not actively seeking to be a part of something, right? Right? So of course we pray first. Of course prayer is the most powerful thing that we do. But if we're praying correctly, it's going to lead us to do something about it. So we confess weakness, but then he also confronts the issue. Faithful prayer leads to faithful action. We're going to actually do something about it. You know what I've found is that when God lays something on your heart to pray about, there's a good possibility he may use you to become part of the answer to your own prayer. He's going to move you into action. We need both the confession and the confrontation. You know what I've found is that prayer without action is useless. But action without prayer is often ruthless, isn't it? Because if I just go, if I just spring into action because I'm all excited, I could be a part of this, but I haven't prayed about it, I may completely miss the mark. I may get my hands involved in something I was never even supposed to touch. So we need the prayer, but it should lead us to action. We need both. So I guess my question for all of us today, if you're watching online, if you're you're in one of our watch parties, if you're here on campus with us, we need to ask ourselves the question today, where do I need a tarp in my life? Where do I need some two-by-fours? What do I need a put a chainsaw in action to in my life? What needs to be patched up or rebuilt or cut out? When I got up on my friend's house that night in 2018 and we, we nailed tarps all over his broken roof, that worked like for a little while. But he didn't want to just live the rest of their family's life with tarps on the roof. Eventually they needed a permanent fix, right? Right. And so what I I want to encourage you with today is that there may be some things that in the meantime right now we need to begin patching, but I need to remind you that salvation is a rebuilding work. It's a from the ground up work. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, you're a new creation in Christ. Behold, all old things are gone. Everything's new in Jesus. And so You know the areas. Myself, the pastors, our staff, we're constantly trying to figure out in in the church, in the ministry here, where do we need tarps and where do we need to rebuild and what needs to be cut out? But only you know those areas in your life. You know the areas. Listen, I'm speaking to somebody here today that somebody asked you recently, how are you doing? And you flat out lied to them. That needs to change. In fact, maybe God's going to speak to you here today to say, you need to go back to that person and say, listen, you asked me how I'm doing. I told you I was good, and I smiled, and then I went away and cried. I'm not okay. If there was ever a place, and if there were ever people that we can bear our souls to, it's here and now. It's these people. It's it's you joining us online. It's it's right here in person, on campus. we got to be real with each other. Not only asking the hard questions, but giving the honest answers courageously. Just believing that that's where healing takes place. So today, before you leave, before you click off of the broadcast today, in your watch party, whatever your story looks like wherever you are, I ask you as we sing this closing song here in a moment to ask the Lord, God, what kind of honest conversations do I need to have? Who do I need to go talk to? Where do I need to start? God, pinpoint the areas in my life. And listen, I know that those areas are raw and they hurt. They're not real. Some of you have been hiding them because that's the only way that you've felt like you can bear with the pain. And I know that it's going to hurt to bring it back up, but I just need you to know that that's the only way that there can actually be healing that takes place in your life. You got to talk about it. You're surrounded here today by a bunch of people who we are in progress together. The most important thing is that you know Jesus, that you have a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. He's your Savior. And if, you, if you've never met Jesus, if you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, today, that's the starting line. And for the rest of us, those of us who have surrendered our lives to Christ, we've got to come around those who are making this decision or who have, and let's walk together on this journey as we're following Jesus. Amen? <laughs>